My name is Jenny Hinchcliffe, and this is Senders Receive, a podcast about mail, art, and the people who make it happen. Broadcasting from beautiful San Francisco while bringing you stories and experiences of postal moderns and mail art mavens. Let's go ahead and bring on the show. How excited am I today to be sitting down with the one and only Cracker Jack Kid. Chuck Welch, a.k.a. Cracker Jack, is the author of Eternal Network, a mail art anthology, one of the earliest and best anthologies of mail art thought and writing. His artist stamp and mail artworks have long circulated throughout the network. Recent artist stamp issues cover topics such as Black Lives Matter, COVID-19, and political protest. Cracker Jack has spent the last 12 years archiving and organizing his mail art collection, for inclusion at the Smithsonian Museum's Archives of American Art. He has curated mail art exhibitions for various institutions, most recently the show Postcards to Brattleboro, 40 Years of Mail Art at the Brattleboro Museum and Art Center in Vermont. He has been the focus of museum shows, notably Errors, Fakes, and Oddities, and Mail Art Archives and Correspondences by Chuck Welch at the New Hampshire Institute of Art Sharon Arts Gallery in Manchester, New Hampshire. It is such a treat to spend time catching up with Chuck, and I am thrilled to share this interview with Senders Receive listeners. Welcome, Cracker Jack. Oh, Jenny, it's my pleasure. I'm so uh, pleased to be able to be on this uh, podcast. Oh, I'm excited to talk with you today. We have so many great things to discuss. One of the first questions that I always like to ask interview guests is how they got started in mailer and whether or not they remember the first piece of mail they received or sent. I started in mail art uh, probably when my grandfather sent me uh, uh, gum samples from his grocery store in McCook, Nebraska. I was probably about eight or nine years old. He would send... uh, these surprises in the mail to me. And uh, you could say that's the unofficial way I learned about mail art. At, at that time, I was doing drawings and things, and I would send those to my grandparents. But the official time that I got involved in mail art was in 1973. I had uh, gotten mm-hmm. out of the Army. I was in Vietnam for uh, a year, and uh, I was exchanging, actually, uh, mail art, although I didn't know it was called that. Uh, with my girlfriend mm-hmm. stateside, and uh, a lot of my drawings and poems um, were sent to her. Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> she got married, and after she got married, uh, her husband found them <laughs> hidden away. Oh. And uh, there's a, you know, I wrote oh. darn there every day, okay? And yeah. uh, he opened them up, and he, he read them, and he threw them in a fire and burned them. So my whole record of, of my experiences uh, overseas uh, uh, were, were destroyed there, which was really sad to me, which is why I save everything, I think. After that had happened, yeah. uh, I saved my mail art. I, I archive it. But that, that, in 1973, I saw a, a landmark mail art exhibition called Omaha Flow Systems, curated mm-hmm. by... Curated mm-hmm. by the uh, Flexus uh, artist Ken Friedman, and that right. was held at the Joslin Art Museum in Omaha, Nebraska. 
Um, so uh, I was uh, attending graduate school at the University of Nebraska at the time, and I went to see that show and <clears throat> saw all of this mail art on the, on the wall. Everything that was received there was posted on the wall, and lo and behold, I'd never, I, I, I never imagined that, that it would be allowable to take the artwork off those museum walls and take them home mm -hmm. and respond to the person whose work you took off the wall. Well, this was a major exhibition. Yeah. In fact, it was the first uh, <clears throat> example of a, uh, a of networking art, or uh, right. I guess you call it the precursor to the uh, internet, and, and you call it net art. Uh, it was a fluxus event. Mm -hmm. Involved uh, uh, the entire city of Omaha, uh, not just the museums, but the universities and colleges, shopping malls, the radio stations, uh, schools, churches, uh, wow. many different places. And they were all tied into the show. So it was a, yeah. a, a complex form of, of networking. And I went to the show, and I learned that later on that, that Robert Indiana sent work to the show, right? Oh, and wow. uh, May, May Wilson, who was an early... Uh, a person, uh, early uh, female artist who exchanged with Ray Johnson in the early 60s. Yeah. Her work was on that wall, too. <laughs> so uh, I wow. I don't remember yeah. the person whose work I took off the wall because I didn't really know a lot about <laughs> the network. And I just <laughs> randomly picked something. Yeah. And no, I didn't say that. But... <laughs> But anyway, so that's my first, the, the first show I entered, though, was actually uh, on the West Coast uh, in San Jose, California. And the theme of the show was um, <clears throat> the true, uh, the rumor of the conspiracy. Almost sounds contemporary, wow. doesn't it? Okay. And, yeah, uh, it does. Wow. And I, I found out about this show through uh, the West Coast uh, Art Magazine. They don't exist any longer, I don't think, but they're called Art Week, Art Week Magazine. Oh. And at, mm -hmm. in the back of yeah. the magazine had a mail art section. They had all kinds of ads for mail art shows that you could enter. And this is moving forward wow. from 1973 yeah. to 1978, in the middle of 78. And mm -hmm. I entered this show about that. That's when I really got involved in the network in a, in a bigger way, um, yeah. 1978. And that was the show. And uh, right away, of course, I got all kinds of uh, responses I sent to everybody on the catalog. Yeah, I think there were a couple hundred, 300 people, and 25% uh, of the people responded to me. And uh, some of those people yeah. that were on that list, I'm, I'm still friends with them, people like Beth Heisler oh, wow. from Paramus, New Jersey. Yeah. And uh, so that's, that's kind of how it started. Wow. Did you ever, going back to Omaha Flow Systems, did you ever meet Ken Friedman? I did meet Ken uh, several times uh, when I was working on Eternal oh. Network Mail Art Anthology. Uh, I was living ah. up uh, near, uh, near the campus of Dartmouth College at the time, and Ken mm -hmm. had business there at the uh, Hood Art Museum. In fact, I was doing research there at the Hood to uh, find Fluxus papers and uh, uh, especially the, the New York Correspondence School Weekly Breeder. <laughs> Yes. That was that was edited <laughs> <Right>. by edited, <laughs> edited first. That was a one-page uh, zine that was started by Ken Friedman and then taken over by Stu Horn, and um, and then yeah. uh, Tim uh, Ancusi. Yeah. But uh, he was involved with it along with um, I think uh, who else would that be? Um, uh, Picasso Gaglioni. Yeah, I got involved with um, 
uh, trying to find information if it could on that that landmark uh, zine, which actually spread Ray Johnson's uh, a school of correspondence into a network. It really became a network with yeah. Omaha Flow System and with uh, with the Weekly Breeder and uh, and things that were happening up uh, Image Bank and, and uh, Morris Trask. Right. And, and all that yeah. was happening in Canada about the same time, uh, 1970. But I don't mean to be giving you a history lesson about all of that. It's just no, that, no. that that's, for me was exciting because uh, mail art yeah. networking has always been a thing that I found uh, really fascinating. Uh, mm -hmm. And um, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I think it's important also to sort of talk about all the different connections and where people leapt into networking and mail art because there's so many different points of entry and a lot of, you know, these names and resources kind of get lost in the shuffle because, you know, the community is so big and so wide and so vast. So um, talking about things like general idea and, you know, uh, Omaha yes. system, I think is great for, for newer folks for sure. So you um, you mentioned in a in a note to me that there's some early high school postal art exhibitions that you were participating in or working on from the late '70s to the early '80s. Can you talk a little bit about those? Well, I was a teacher uh, in Omaha, actually at Bellevue, Nebraska, which is. Uh, couple of miles away from the Strategic Air Command. So I taught, I was a department chairman there at a high school for 10 years. And um, mm -hmm. in 1978, I was teaching there uh, when I entered Mallard. And I, right away, I saw mm -hmm. this as being a way to use that idea of networking art uh, beyond a barrier or a wall. In this case, it would be mm -hmm. uh, the institution, ed educational institutions. Um, how do you link, you know, your high school students with the uh, with a contemporary art scene, rather than teaching them mm -hmm. art history, which I did. I had a course, an advanced placement course that I taught uh, my students uh -huh. there, and um, I wanted to bring my own experiences with the uh, avant-garde, especially neo-dadaism on the West Coast, which was right. happening then, really exciting, yeah. and with Luxus and with. Cavallini, who is a famous uh, mm -hmm. Italian uh, superstar in male art, um, who would give away books and stickers and T-shirts. And boy, my <laughs> students liked it. They wanted to meet him right away. He'd send these huge posters <laughs> as well. So uh, I, I got my kids uh, in my classroom uh, in 1978 involved with doing that. And it was so successful that I started a high school postal art exhibition in 1979. With with wow. exact with probably uh, I think six or seven high schools, I started out small, and then it grew in the third mm -hmm. year into a uh, uh, seventy eight high schools across the country, and there were over three thousand wow. students in in high school art departments who were connecting with with Mel Art mentors who I had. Now that's a thing that I had to kind of screen who I wanted my, the students to interact with. Uh, you know, it couldn't just yeah. be anybody. It had. To, I felt pretty good right. knowing the people that. The people like Ed Plunkett was a, was a mentor that corresponded mm -hmm. with my students. He's the fellow that gave uh, John, Ray Johnson 
It's a name for his school. They call it the New York Correspondence School. Yeah. And uh, Lon Spiegelman was another one of the people that, that were, was involved mm -hmm. with that. Uh, uh, so these uh, mentors would exchange, would pick a high school whose students, sometimes 15 to 25 kids in a, in a classroom, they, they would correspond with, with each of those students individually for a period mm -hmm. of about, oh, a couple of months. And then we had a major exhibition wow. in the library in our town. Uh, of everything, uh -huh. but the third year of, after the third year of doing this, I got pretty good at it, and uh, the National Education Association got really interested in what I was doing. I was a member of, yeah. of that, of course, and uh, they gave me a fellowship. It was a, of all things called a Hilda Mailing Fellowship, except her last name was spelled oh, man. M A E H L I N G. <laughs> <laughs> which allowed me to have funds wow. to put together a major show that traveled uh, to, to 10 high schools uh, across the country. Wow. And it started off at the headquarters lo lobby at uh, in Washington, D.C. So uh, it was a real honor to, to, to be able to expand everything and, and uh, have that funded. Today, I don't know if you yeah. could do it to that extent. It's just uh, there's privacy mm -hmm. issues and a, a right, lot of other right. kinds of unknowns, you know, being the age of internet and all. Yeah, it, it's an area in Mellart um, that has, very little has been documented about it, which I find kind of unusual. Mm -hmm. I mean, because it really did uh, try to circumvent uh, institutional boundaries, which what is what Mellart really intends to do, and reach a right. lot of people and create a network unto its own. Uh, just anybody can do it. I mean, high school art instructor could do this with just, say, like another school, especially during a time of pandemic. Yeah. That would be really a cool thing. And that actually was done recently. Uh, Hyper Allergic Magazine ran a story about a high school mm -hmm. out in California. I can't think of the name of it, but they did a show of that sort. But nowhere in the story was there anything about what had happened, you know, in the history of, of mail art and where the, how that came around. It was like, no, this isn't the right. first time it ever happened. You know, other people have kind of <laughs> right. played with this, including right. Lon, uh, Lon Spiegelman, who had who collaborated yeah. with me in the second year of, of my high school shows. And he got together with mm -hmm. Otis Parsons uh, uh, oh, yeah, Art School great. or something. I think they changed their name mm -hmm. but years ago. And he, he was asked by, uh, I, I don't know, by the director there. I'm not sure who asked him, but education department there wanted him to have a mail art show that I don't know if they'd heard about mine possibly had and he uh, asked for some ideas I we worked together and uh, his mm, students mm -hmm. corresponded with mine and and so he did ah, right. uh, the first west coast kind of a, a version of high schools uh, doing mail art uh, mail art education so yeah. there was a tradition that was started back then and um, I had a, a big article published in School Arts Magazine in 1981. Mm -hmm. For anyone interested in looking that up, it's volume 80, number 6, February 1981. <laughs> <laughs> Just happened to remember that right off the top of my head. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they, did a great, they did a great spread of, of the show, you know. Uh, the cover was uh, in full color and, and, and showed some student artwork and uh, I mean, one kid from Allentown, Pennsylvania, 
sent a four foot long plaster shark he called Jaws. Oh my gosh. For the, for the show. Wow. And so we were kind of wow. testing the <laughs> testing the postal system with things like um, yes. oh, just wonderful things. And the students were just just took off on it, you know. So yeah. 1981, I have a question about that year because there is a book that was very instrumental to my early development as a nail art kid. And that book was called Swak, the complete book of yes. mail fun for kids. By Randy and Harlson. Yes, by Rand- yes. And I have to tell you, I, I, I tell this story to my students, but I checked this book out of my grade school library and, you know, it's a fun book. You can, it tells kids how to do all sorts of things through the post office, like collect autographs, collect stamps. But there were a handful of pages in that book that yes, really caught were. my attention as a fifth grader <laughs> because, I, because oh there was gosh, mention I'm an of, old dinosaur. You know, like, <laughs> no, I have to say there was like mention of Anna Banana and Lon Spiegelman yeah. and then you. So... Yeah. Anna has told me a couple great stories about being involved in that project, the SWAC book. Um, do you uh-huh. do you have any? <laughs> what was that project oh, like? Oh yeah, with Randy? Oh, Randy was a wonderful guy, and he got in touch with me when he heard about the. I think he read about me in School Arts, and um, okay, he said, "Would it be okay if you exchange bell uh, art with?" young readers who um, read my book. And I said, well, sure. I got mail art from from kids uh, all over the world, actually, for about four or five years. And be- I, then I moved, wow. I changed my address. I changed my address yeah. in mail art more than anybody else in the network. I think about <laughs> six, 16 <laughs> times. So <laughs> nobody knows where I live. <laughs> I keep changing my address. So yes, Randy was wonderful to work with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I um, later after the fact. Do you remember Jeeves.com, the sort of like online encyclopedia? Oh yeah, it was the I early do. days of the internet. Yeah, and so someone from Jeeves contacted me, and they're like we're doing this thing about stamp collecting and we know that you make these artist stamps. Can you like write a little thing about that? And the person who contacted me, his name was Doug. And I said, sure, no problem. And then it came to pass that Doug and I struck up a correspondence and we started cause he was a stamp collector. And so we started trading through the mail. And then he said, you know, after a year had gone by or so he said, you know, I have this friend that does the thing that you do, and his name is Randy Harrelson. And I said, get out. (laughs) Are you kidding me? I said, the Randy Harrelson? And he said, yeah, the Randy Harrelson. And so there was a nice kind of synergy that happened there with that circle, you know. I would say, have you ever, (laughs) um, did you ever read um, a, a book about rubber stamps that came out? I think it was Workman Publishing Company that put it out. Uh, called uh-huh. the rubber stamp index. I think it's an index. Uh, Maybe I got that wrong. The rubber is stamp it index or album. Album. Why did I said index? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's Larry correct. Thompson, By Ma- right? Larry Thompson. Yes. And Laurie. Yes. Miller. That book's amazing. Yeah. 
That book is amazing. That, that was one of the books uh, in 19... I think it came out in 78. You asked uh, how I got uh-huh. heard about Mellard. I, I'm, that was another uh, kind of a signal to me uh, to get involved because uh, I, I was yeah. doing... My degree and, and uh, my master's degree was in printmaking and, uh, you know, relief prints were mm-hmm. right up my alley. So I, I got a hold of that book yeah. and read it from cover to cover, wrote to everybody. Yes. And at the time, I was putting together a, a hand paper maker, a hand paper making mill uh, in Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, cool. And uh, yeah. I um, started making stamps out of uh, conceptual stamps from very strange materials like uh Termite mound debris from uh, Australia. <gasps> oh. A guy named uh, Tane Burns is his name. He was actually a high school teacher uh-huh. too, who uh, was in one of my shows, uh, high school shows. But um, so anyway, that book kind of spurred on a lot of those interests in uh, in doing rubber stamps for a while. But I never really stayed with rubber stamps. I mean, I've always used them in mail art all the time, and I yeah. carved a few. Yeah. But I didn't really sit down yeah. like I do with engravings and etchings. I made stamps primarily mm-hmm. with, with that media rather than with rubber stamps. So go figure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny what we kind of gravitate to, you know. And I think part of that is access, you know, what, what we can get our hands on, but then also just what resonates at the same time, you know. That's right, yeah. So, yeah, that Larry Thompson book is fantastic. I've given that book as a gift to so many people, you know. It's, it's a classic. It really is a classic. And Yeah, I think so. They, they started a whole rubber stamp movement, I think. They revived that, and they had a list of jobbers where you could go get stamps and that, and then artists became people like uh, Bill Gaglioni uh, started Stamp Francisco mm-hmm. and, uh, business, small mm-hmm. mom and pop businesses started up based on that book. Uh, so it yeah. really took off. Yeah. 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 And I mean, that was sort of the golden age, like that book came out and then the golden age of like rubber stamps came out, you know, it was, That's right. you yeah. had people like Mars Tokyo and Leavenworth Jackson and, you know, all of these he and Roberta Sperling, like remember R- Roberta? Oh my gosh! Um, uh, rubber Still stamp going madness. strong with rubber stamp madness. <laughs> she she yeah. was magnificent for several years. I think for seven or eight years. That's uh, their major uh, feature stories were about the mail art network and people that were doing yeah. hand carving things. And uh, mm-hmm. I first met her actually in New York City in 1984. Uh, Franklin Furnace when they were having a mail art, international mail art show. There, oh, the, okay. Yeah. So I met Roberta once, a great lady. So <laughs> you mentioned just now being in New York <laughs> in 1984, and we were going to talk a little bit about <laughs> mail art tourism and congressing and sort of what happens when you meet other mail artists in person, because I know we've both experienced that and, and participated in things like that. So do you, how do you feel about meeting male artists in person versus maintaining just a strictly through the post box? It's kind of like on, in, uh, yeah, it's a great question. A great question. Uh, when you're doing online uh, emailing or texting, things are just right off the yeah. cuff, right? And I think mm-hmm. um, when I, 
was at Dartmouth College and uh, studying um, hypertext markup language back then in 1990, 1989 was kind of new stuff. And uh, I got yeah. in a few news groups, news, some news groups, um, and uh, saw, found out what flaming was all about. I mean, there was a term mm -hmm. for way, mm -hmm. way back in the day, uh, yep. uh, what flaming is. And I think I'm drawing a parallel here to uh, meeting in person. Uh, it's very immediate. It's like email. It's just, you know, or whatever. Uh, so with with mail as the intermediary, you have the distance to think about what you're going to do, you know, what you're going to say. It's, it's more thought-provoking. You have more time to kind of sort through a lot of things you really want to say. And um, yeah. without really being biased either way, I think, I think it's when I first... Uh, met male artist, it was because I wanted to very much. And it, it wasn't really yeah. a thing back in 1981. I, I went to the to Maine for the first time, met Carlo Pittori and people uh, up in Maine mm -hmm. uh, who were central figures in East Coast male art. And um, mm -hmm. jo Joachim Frank was another one who was a, a zine editor of Prop, Prop Magazine from Buffalo, New York, and mm. every person I met was just wonderful. I mean, I was so invigorated by the time I went back home a couple of weeks later. And um, uh, so that was a really positive experience. And then in 1985, uh, so I've done all that meeting of people uh, to a certain extent, not as much as some others, but uh, Hans-Rudy Fricker uh, from... Uh, Trogen, mm -hmm. Switzerland, started a, uh, he and, and Guter Ruch started a thing called Mellor Congressing. And uh, I met Hans mm -hmm. Rudy in New York City at the Franklin Furnace uh, exhibition, a uh, huge exhibition then, uh -huh. which is a whole history of, in itself of what happened after that. But uh, I, we were all talking at um, uh, John P. Jacobs' uh, West Side apartment, uh, his studio apartment, about about Congress, about meeting other mailers and, and, and thinking, and the word congressing came up. Let's let's yeah. have a congress. Let's all get together. We're at this point where everybody's kind of getting out of the mail and wanting to meet each other. And and Fricker was yeah. there at, at, when all that was the talk was happening. And uh, I was I don't want to get into too, too much except that. The first idea for a Mellor Congress occurred in Cleveland, Ohio, when um, Harley, you know Harley, uh, the stamp artist, mm -hmm. um, yeah. passed away a while, a while ago. But uh, it was Harley Francis at the time. He changed his name. But um, he proposed the first Congress, um, but uh, and he got funding for it. But everybody was going to be, be meeting in Cleveland, but it, evidently, the funding fell through. It, it was hmm. a photographic resource center or something out in Cleveland that we're going to sponsor it. But then I, I yeah. uh, between that event and his going throughout Europe in 1982, early 82, might have been 83, I think it was late 82, uh, mm -hmm. spreading that idea and sending out invitations to be part of the, that thing. Uh, it, you know, yeah. time passed and then it kind of coalesced with with a, a uh, these two Swiss artists uh, really making it happen by saying, wherever two or more artists meet at one time, a congress will take place. Well, that kind of opened everything yeah. up because anybody could create a congress. But so that's right. conceptually 
brilliant. And he gave it a term right. for it, uh, call it Mellar tourism. It, some say it was mm-hmm. Mellar's first tourism, but I think nihilism was. But nevertheless, um, mm-hmm. that, uh, that was kind of a mixed bag for me. I, I went to a couple of congresses. I had one of my own in 1992. These came around again uh-huh. in 1992. They're called networking congresses then. But um, I found mm-hmm. that, that that there was a kind of a, a an edge in, in the U.S. congresses, and I think they were in Europe, Europe too, where heads were kind of butt because we we're all very much individualists and we're artists, you know. And it's like social <laughs> net. It's right. it's social networking today, uh, right? You know, nobody. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of hit and miss. Some people, you never would have mm-hmm. guessed that they were like who they mm-hmm. were. And you kind of knew instantly, geez, they were so different in the mail. I don't know that I <laughs> So that's right. inevitable, isn't it? Because right. we're human beings. So. Yeah. I, you know, I had a great conversation with Gianni Simone. He, he did the Chiron zine, mail art zine for a long time. And we, uh-huh. we talked about this exact thing where, um, you know, I, I was traveling in Japan and I met up with him one afternoon and we had lunch and, you know, he said, he asked me this really interesting question. He said, well, how does your partner feel? Like, how does your spouse feel about your mail art, you know, getting, you getting all this mail? I'm like, why, why does, <laughs> like, he doesn't, ca- he doesn't care. Like, this is just a thing. And I said, why, why that question, Gianni? <clears throat> and he said, well, you know, I, I've met with people over the years, male artists, and, you know, some of them have a really, you know, they have partners who get really wigged out that they're getting all of this mail from complete strangers, you know, their, their partner may never know who this person is, but, you know, there is this sort of informal relationship that's happening. And I, I, I always think about that conversation when I, when I talk to people about congressing or, you know, mail art tourism or meeting people because like, it's, it's always fascinating to meet people that you correspond with through the mail and then realize they're completely different or they're exactly like what you thought they were going to be, you know? But I also think Uh it's interesting that, that people get wigged out, you know, you know, there's this possibility of, of jealousy or something, you know? I think that's a, a really, I like I said, it's human nature because it's a social kind of uh, uh, meeting uh, of minds and that. And yeah. uh, it, there's bound to be uh, some friction. I think yeah. today, too, I yeah. think uh, if you have a mail art show for kids, uh, it's important to think about maybe a, a P.O. boxes are a way to get around that. Right. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. and there's and there's unsolicited mail. You don't know anymore what you get. You might some might call it mail art, and other people might say, "Hey, this is really offensive to me, and uh, that's why I want to have right. a PO box." Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you have to. I well, think you we know, all for, edit things. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cracker Jack. Yeah. <laughs> Can I ask you a question about where your mail art moniker of Cracker Jack Kid? came from how did you how how did how did that happen how did that name come about sure cracker jacks is an american expression for when you're really good they call somebody cracker jack but 
frankly, <laughs> that's not a mail art thing because everybody is good in, in mail art and everybody's Cracker Jack. But I was eating a, a, a box. I was eating the caramel candy from a Cracker Jack box when I found mail art. And when I got to the bottom of the box, there was a toy surprise that there is in every Cracker Jack box, right? So I pulled it out, uh -huh. and uh, it didn't say mail art on it, but uh, I thought of myself as, hmm, <laughs> I think I'll be the Cracker Jack kid. And I said, <laughs> which makes a lot of sense because the mailbox is like a Cracker Jack box. So when you pull out your mail from a mailbox, it's like, you know, pulling out a Cracker Jack surprise. So as Cracker yeah. Jack kid, I decided right there and right then and there that I would put a surprise in every mailbox. Oh, I love it. That's so great. Do you remember what the toy was at the bottom of your Cracker Jack box? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Funny you should ask that. I'll tell you what it was. It was a magnifying glass. A little oh, tiny yeah. magnifying glass that, you know, you could use it for stamps or whatever, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, enlarge yeah. things. <laughs> it used to be you could get some pretty good I surprises. I oh, I do have a Cracker Jack collection of Cracker Jack toys because I, oh, I wow. didn't know any better back in those days when I was younger that that stuff's not good for you. <laughs> but I mean, it's not a very, it's a confectionery it's not probably good to, to ingest it over the years but uh, I, I would collect the, the toys and, and uh, they used to the toys yeah. from the 50s were, are, were much more interesting and, and, and predating the 50s they were like tin whistles you know or little badges yeah. you know sheriff's badges and stuff like that you know Little trinkets you could wear in yeah. a, a charms and things. <laughs> a surprise in every mailbox. I love it. It's <laughs> yeah. great. All right, Senders Receive listeners. That was part one of the Senders Receive interview with Chuck Welch, a.k.a. Cracker Jack Kid. I want to thank Cracker Jack for taking the time to sit down with us, and I'm really excited to say that part two of the interview will take place in two weeks. That will be July 15th, so we'll see you back here on that day. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Senders Receive is recorded, edited, and hosted by Jenny Hinchcliffe, with many, many thanks to the contributors, artists, and interview subjects of Senders Receive. Our intro-outro music is by Kitsa and used as per the artist's Creative Commons terms. Additional info can be found in the show notes. If you're a mail artist or postal modern interested in being interviewed for Senders Receive, I invite you to send an email to sendersreceivepodcast at gmail.com. Keep current on new episodes at our Instagram account, at sendersreceivepodcast. That's all for now, and thanks for listening.